Geekish Cast is a member of the Astro Panda Productions Network. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, the world's heavyweight champion in geek talk on the internet. I am your host, Jeremy. And joining me again today is Brian Neary and Davis Zayas of the band Reign of Zayas. What's happening, fellas? How's it going? Thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you for coming back. Always love having you guys on. Uh, A lot of fun talking to you. And before we get into any specific news, anything geeky keeping you guys going right now? Is there anything you've seen lately that's really got you interested? Or is the geek world boring the shit out of you? Uh, No, I have a few points of interest I can rustle up here. Uh, First thing that I saw recently is uh, they announced that The Rock was going to be playing Black Adam in a DC solo film. And uh, as a guy who's had a uh, very Shazam-centric conversation on your podcast, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. I do. Um, I wonder if The Rock realizes that Black Adam was the bad guy in that story, or um, are they going to go back and tell a heroic Black Adam tale before we get the Shazam story? And would that just be a remake of The Scorpion King? What are your thoughts? Uh, not a Scorpion King remake, I'm sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, good guys, bad guys, doesn't matter anymore. I mean, especially for DC, where they've already had a Suicide Squad uh, attached. You know, and obviously the Suicide Squad are, you know, a little bit of a fringe product that was able to sneak in and get some uh, some viewers uh, last summer. But I don't know. it. As a guy who's more of a Marvel fan in general, I'll say uh, I'll wait and see it also. Yeah, I'm definitely I – mean, look, I'm going to – I trust uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I kind of trust most of his decisions. There's been a few shitty ones, but overall he's chosen some pretty good roles. Yeah, it's all part of the game. You can't yeah. hit 100. Exactly. Yeah, you'll never bat 100 all the way across. But um, 100%, obviously. I understand how baseball statistics work. All right, work. all right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, um, now I think did we, we already had this conversation. How do you guys feel about the hero of the Captain Marvel stories having to be called Shazam? Were you on board? I don't remember. Oh, um, again, sort of an irrelevant thing for me who, as a guy who's mainly in the Marvel world, mm-hmm. uh, as my interests go, you know, whatever they call him is based on there. And I don't even have enough, uh, back, you know, history and knowledge to make a, to have an emotional response to that either way, I guess. Gotcha. I, you have I mean, I, I just have the, uh, you know, the memories of a kid watching the Shazam ISIS show. ISIS are, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. I wish they'd call him Captain Thunder. If, if they won't call him Captain Marvel, call him Captain Thunder. That's, that's just a, like a personal feeling I have on it though. Yeah. Shazam has too much of a, it sounds too much like that, uh, what was it? It wasn't Shaq a genie. He was a rapping genie oh, in the movie. Kazam. Kazam, Kazam right. Yeah. Not Kazam. I was going Shaq Fu, but... Yeah, Shaq yeah. ruined everything. <laughs> Boy, Shaq Fu, there was a shitty fighting game. <laughs> um, well, no, it's it's the thing. It's like Shazam's a cool name for a wizard, right? Oh, yeah. But, but what if you take the story of King Arthur and suddenly start calling both Merlin and Arthur Merlin? Wouldn't that uh, kind of fuck everything up? <laughs> I guess it depends on if it's like an M. Night Shyamalan thing where there's a twist at the end, uh, which is to say, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just not good. Oh, but you do. Uh, we're going to hit a spoiler here. You guys, you guys heard about that movie split, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, had no interest in seeing an M. Night Shyamalan movie ever again. And then I heard it was an unbreakable sequel. Oh, Really? Yes. I was I was a big fan of Unbreakable. Yes. One at the time Unbreakable came out, it was the best superhero movie made besides X Men. Yeah, I, I would probably agree to that. I mean uh Blade was pretty good. It, not like blowing away, but as far as having a movie that was watchable, which Marvel hadn't produced at that time, mm-hmm. Blade was a big step up. Yeah. So um yeah, I'm not gonna give it away then because apparently you hadn't heard that yet, but yeah, this movie split ends with a shot where you realize that it's in the Unbreakable universe and there's going to be a third movie that is a direct Unbreakable sequel. That is quite interesting. I'll yep. have to make a note of that now. Yep. It, <laughs> when I read that, I almost pooped a little bit because I was so excited. <laughs> one thing that I, uh, for anyone who had seen Unbreakable, did you, uh, did you catch that I one? I didn't. 
All right, so uh, more or less Bruce Willis is a real-life superhero, whatever, and Sam Jackson's trying to make him understand that he is that superhero by doing felonious things and whatnot. Um, but it turns out that, uh, you know, every superhero has a weakness, and his is drowning. And I really have a tough time believing that your weakness is something that kills someone to begin with. Um, You know what? Yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't really thought about that in a long time. Um, yeah, my, we- my weakness well, but, is drowning too, and I'm yeah, not a superhero. Well, but but we're talking about so that's a little bit different though, because we're talking about a guy who could get hit by a bus mm-hmm. and live through it. So the thing that could kill him was drowning, yeah. and so it wasn't so much that like being well, submerged. Well, it's not so much that being submerged in water weakened him. He was wrapped in plastic and submerged in water. It just meant that that he where he could live through everything else, he couldn't live through that. It means he has properly working lungs. Exactly. Which seems to me like that's not really a weakness. It's just something that, you know, maybe not as much of a strength, but definitely not a weakness. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call it a weakness. He didn't have asthma. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call it like, I mean, it wasn't like kryptonite. Water's not his kryptonite. But where a bullet to the head wouldn't kill him, you know, tying his hands together, weighing him down and throwing him in the pool would. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. That, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a weak spot in that movie. I didn't really thought of that. Yeah, I mean, again. You need some sort of a weakness to go on. Well, yeah, the, the, that's the biggest problem with Superman, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that people go, well, I can't write him because he's not weak against anything. You know, there's no way to actually attack him. Yeah, we definitely have hit upon that last time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Always God. A problem with Superman. Uh, oh, Ab, speaking of more geeky shit, here's definitely something that I was going to bring up. And I saw recently uh, the editor-in-chief of Fangoria, Ken Hanley, mm-hmm. has announced that there's no more issues uh, of Fangoria that will be produced unless someone buys the company and decides to put money into it. The last print issue they had was October 2015, uh, and they sort of sprinkled out a few online issues since then. But um, so, yeah, no more Fangoria. Oh, I know sad. that for a lot of people who are a fan of, you know, all things that happen to be under that geekish umbrella. Oh, that's God. probably something that's a bit of a shock. Well, yeah. And so a shock. I was going to say, so here, you know, I didn't know about that. Um, so showing that I, I don't even know if I knew Fangoria was still out there. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, part of that, I'm sure the recession hit all print media really hard. Um, oh, here comes Ollie the Greyhound, my co-host, who I had to let out of the room a bit ago. We're going to let him come back in. But Who's I was co-host. Uh, well, Ollie the Greyhound, I had him in here <laughs> right before I called you guys, and uh, he, he's just here to keep time, Brian. He, he's not he's not taking your job or anything. That's, well, that's why we keep Brian around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back when I was younger, I loved like Starlog and Fangoria and all those, but I didn't know Fangoria was still around. So is that a failure on their marketing, or what do you think there? No idea, really. Um, I actually, not that I was buying all these issues, but... You know, as someone who grew up keeping track of pop culture, that was definitely a big part of it. The last yeah. print issue of Fangoria was close to ten bucks, so kind of hard to rationalize shelling out for that. Oh, absolutely! Especially in the day of digital media, it it mm-hmm. really is, and that's it's kind of a shame. Um, oh, which brings me to my next point here. Uh, yeah, so they canceled the next Friday the Thirteenth movie. <clears throat> Uh, all right. I know that Friday the Thirteenth is one of your uh, your mainstays when it comes to to this stuff. What do you think of the new Halloween? I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I I, I really am. You too, huh? I, I'm, I was a yep, and the uh, great. I was talking to the dog. Excited as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, but you as well, okay, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the original. That's there's that movie is almost uh, untouchable. I, I would agree with you there. I think the original Halloween is an outstanding movie. It holds up better in that genre than almost every movie except t- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think, is a mm. better is is one that holds up better than that. But um Yeah, certainly. But Halloween, that first Halloween, I think is just outstanding. Number two was fine, but I would like to see what a modern Hey, what do you call this? Was this like a reboot? Reboot cool? Is that what you would call it? Where you <laughs> you take an original movie idea, you do a thing that's kind of a sequel yet kind of a reboot all at the same time. I would like to see them do it. Now, Eastbound and Down guys, 
you know, I mean, give them their shot. I mean, just because that they're, you know, they have a comedy and, uh, you know, fucking stoner humor background doesn't mean they right. can't do horror. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. And we, we probably mentioned it at some point, like the moments of levity that are usually lost on movies that take themselves too seriously are what holds it back from being, you know, you need that dichotomy. Here's something that's kind of funny to release the tension. And then here's something that's bone chilling. Oh, yeah, go back and forth a bit. Like, for instance, we had uh, Dawn of the Dead on it practice today in the background. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a perfect thing. That's a, that, yeah, we watched it uh, actually practice the last couple times on repeat. But that's that's a great movie example of that where, you know, there's the tongue-in-cheek humor, but it's also gory and it's also kind of like apocalyptic. But – but they keep it light through it. Well, yeah, in, you're right. You, when you're going to ratchet something up like that, you better have a release valve because yeah. you can't you, you can't continuously ratchet it up because at some point you run out of upward momentum. You can't go tell any that higher. to Rob. Tell that to Rob Zombie. Um, <laughs> I think his friends have been trying to tell them tell him that for about 15 years, and he just doesn't listen. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's I think that might be the problem I have with his horror movies is that they, that he they're you know, he's too serious. Yeah. Um, there you know is what? a lot of the tongue-in-cheek factor. Well, what is, what is the first one he did that was part of the uh, the Firefly story? Was it um, House of a Thousand Corpses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually liked that one. I liked it better when it was called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I did like that one. But the sequel to it, The Devil's Rejects? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I would have chewed through my own arm to get out of seeing that. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I, I agree with that. Yeah, there's just that. Also, there's a there's a thing that comes into. I'm pretty friendly with some guys that run a uh, Friday the Thirteenth podcast, and one of the problems we run into when I'm trying to discuss things with them is they all identify with Jason, which you know, cool, whatever. But I prefer number, you know, uh, Friday the Thirteenth number two, Jason, where he's a fucking scary, faceless thing in a bag trying to fucking kill you. I don't. I don't identify with the killers, and and when I watch a horror film, I don't want to identify with the killers because I want to be scared of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's. What, I mean, that's that's the reason for the movie. Yeah. That's yeah. that's Just the to watch way it and, I be, and be petrified. Yeah. Although you you also are trying to franchise something. So look at Freddy. Very charismatic. Very much you know a creep, but. He also kills a bunch of greasy, horny teenagers, and who can't get behind that, too, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> teenagers scare the living shit out of me. That's all I can really say about that. Yeah. The older I get, we, the more I dislike them. We talk about the omen, though. That's where I, you know, I relate to the uh, to the bad guy. Well, your mother was was or was not a jackal. What am What am I missing? Uh, no comment. Okay. Um, Look, yeah. just because you identify as a jackal doesn't mean you have to physically be a jackal. This is true. That's this how it is. True. Yeah. Um, I I am a, a trans Vulcan now, I've realized. I'm getting pointy ears and living a Vulcan lifestyle, but was not born that way. So, you know, whatever. I'm not going to tread on your right to prosper. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. That was good, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, The Omen. That's one I always forget about. Did you guys watch the TV show that they did a few years ago that was about Damien as a uh, war journalist photographer? Did not. No, he, I didn't. He grows I... up and gets a regular job. Oh, well, God. That job, at least. Well, I don't know. In the, mm-hmm. Was it the third one where he became president and yeah. like, splattered, it, splattered his brains on the on the wall? But Yeah, that was the one. I, I remember better than any of them um because i was like 10 i think when the third one came out 10 or 11 somewhere in there that was the one that i first saw and then went back to watch the rest because video rental had just become a thing and fuck the original omen is just outstanding oh it it really is yeah. that that movie is is fantastic from beginning to end yeah and i saw was, the remake they did uh, what about 10 12 years ago Ten years ago? Um, yeah, but that, that was during that shot-for-shot shot remake period, though, wasn't it? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, was, I mean, it, was, it was all right. It was, you know, if I had never seen the first Omen, it would have been a great movie. Oh, sure, yeah. But it's like, um, do you want to see a Richard Donner film, or do you want to see a remake of a Richard Donner film? Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't want to shit on the guy who directed it, but I obviously don't remember who did the remake. But the yeah, Richard Donner was fucking outstanding. Yeah. Um, God, was there anything else this week? Uh, Woody Harrelson is going to be Han Solo's mentor in the Han Solo standalone film. 
Oh, that just sounds great, Mr. Peterson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that guy's career. It's always Kelly, been, Kelly, it, Kelly, it's Kelly. <laughs> I, I like him, but that's one like I start to I start to worry with a franchise like that when you start dropping in big name actors that like we're moving away from we're moving away from the franchise as the star to a star driven vehicle. Ah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Although uh, that would make him the second uh, Cheers cast member to be in a Star Wars film. Who is the other one? Name him. Cliffy. There you go, Cliffy. Cliffy was Empire. at Echo Base on Hoth. You go. Yep. He was also a NASA worker in Superman 2. Correct. And he was nice. just uh, some dude on the street in Superman 1. Oh, was he? I didn't know that one. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, I don't know if he was specifically the guy, but uh, when there's a big gust of wind and the uh, the ice cream goes in the dude's face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's by there with the newspaper and stuff. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm going to have to watch that again and pay a little more attention. Wow. I never noticed that one. Two separate. Uh, yeah. He's in the, the, the original and the, the sequel. The I rats. Guess. You know, bit parts. The Ratzenberger? Yeah. yeah. Johnny Rats, yeah, well, his friends call him. Yeah, the thing is, uh, Cliff. All right. <laughs> Saturday the 14th he's in as well, right? Is that... Uh, you know, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Is it, I've never even heard that movie. Or... Yeah. Tell me. I can't D- Tell me more about this great... Uh, it, it was... It was it, it, well, you like the tongue-in-cheek horror movies. It was a spoof on the oh, Friday right. the 13th yeah, movies. Yeah, well, I mean, like... Really kind of... <laughs> Gory, but also I like tongue in cheek and good. I don't like. Uh, oh, what was the what was the Leslie Nielsen? Uh, he did a few horror parodies. He did Dracula Dead and Loving It, which was at least more of a Mel Brooks uh, feel all around. But there was another one that he did that was like just terrible. Naked Gun Two and a Half. <laughs> I like that one as well. Thirty three and a third is where it really fell apart. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to pull that third sequel out of nowhere, you know. I know, and OJ just didn't seem into it anymore. I don't know. Well, he seemed to have his mind on other things, really. <laughs> oh, good old Nordberg. Yeah, <laughs> he he looked like the kind of guy. He looked like the kind of guy who was thinking about killing his wife. <laughs> hey, if if that's what happened, Get right, then right. perhaps that is how it happened. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe a guy that was going to spend the rest of his life looking for his wife's killer. Yeah, that's true. He is he, dedicated. He's working really hard at that, I can tell you. Well, you know, you, you figure that his wife's killer would probably be in prison, right, for yeah, other yeah. infractions. No, so not, he's, him, not him. He was acquitted. He was acquitted. Right, right. But but he's, now in, but he's now in prison looking for her. Yes. Looking oh, for him. Oh, that's crafty. That's Dude, really that's crafty. The, that is the plot to, like, 27 Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Right. Where he goes into prison <laughs> to find his wife's killer. Huh. That's actually... <laughs> Well, now I'm starting to rethink the whole thing. Maybe he is innocent. And uh, OJ, I'm sure this is a bit of trivia. Many people have heard, but he was supposed to be the original Terminator. Uh, yes, there was him and there was one other actor that they looked at, and they didn't go with uh, OJ for Terminator because they thought nobody would buy him as a uh, vengeful murderer. <laughs> and he still does clearly Yeah. That's, oh, the irony. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the thing there. Yeah, that's, um, oh, so I, what is there? Is there talk about James Cameron has taken over the Terminator franchise again? Did you hear this? Nope. Apparently he's working on, James Cameron's working on a new Terminator film. Um, you're watching, you're really going to have sorry. to do some heavy fucking lifting to get me to watch another Terminator film. Yeah, we were watching uh, T2 the other day and just saying how how well it held, it holds up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still does effects. hold together. It's still, it's... I mean, even though the liquid mercury thing, there's definitely a whole lot better and easier ways to make that, you know, make the same type of effects, but it still looks great every single time. You know, I'm still, me personally, I'm still blown away by Terminator 1 when you watch it and you realize that it was made for, like, two shoeboxes and, like, <laughs> some change. And just also as a horror fan, it is just a funner watch as well for me. Terminator one. I love Terminator two. I just really prefer Terminator one. Yeah. It definitely blew a lot, blew away a lot of doors as far as, Oh, we we incorporate, uh, robotics, you know, the idea of artificial, artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. biting us in the ass, the concept of time travel, you know, a lot of stuff going in that stew. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And let me ask you guys real quick, because I always get my head stuck in this question here. Did John Connor send 
Kyle Reese into the past to create a new John Connor who would be a better resistance leader than he was? I don't think so. But it's hard to say, like, yeah, I sent you back in time to bone my mom. Get to it. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you broach that subject? Yeah, because I often wonder, like, you know, the original John Connor could have just been whoever, right? Right. But then you send your friend back in time, and you're like, okay, look, here's the thing. I need you to impregnate my mom with, quote-unquote, me, so right. I will be a better leader for the resistance against robots in the future. You might just go like, you know what, I'm going to snuff my own existence so humanity has a better chance in the future. Yeah, right. and then you got to consider, like, how low do you have to value yourself? Like, what what does this guy's amazing sperm have? That you're, you know, you're whoever his biological dad did not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's always one I, I, I get stuck in that loop of thinking. It's why I hate time travel stories. I mean, I yeah. really hate them because I get stuck in that. Well, if I go back in time and shoot my grandfather in 1929, mm -hmm. but then I'm not born, can I have gone back in time to shoot him? Or right. if you're like Fry on Futurama and you have sex with your own grandma because your grandma's mm. gay. Yeah, you did the nasty and the pasty. <laughs> that conundrum. <laughs> yeah i hate time travel i really really do it just oh, hurts my head um i was watching the futurama yesterday with the time travel where the uh where they well you got to be more specific there well, of course mostly time travel but, but it was the one where um the the when they go through time travel they create another one and that one's doomed and leela ends up marrying the fry with the bald head and the goatee oh no now you're talking uh, about the uh when they went on hiatus and they released like the movies they did four oh, right, movies right. that were like you know the essentially four episodes long and that was sort of their sixth season i you know i thought that episode yeah. was really long yeah it was <laughs> I wasn't even here watching it with you, but yeah. Sure. Oh, that's like when they did like the Beast with a Million Backs in that one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Bender's Game, and uh, there was another one. This is the one where like that Nate, those weird naked aliens took over the Earth, and I can't remember. What it's well, called. you know what's you know what's funny about Futurama? Like I really liked the show, and then they did the episode about his dog. Mm. Oh cried, yeah, I cried like a little bitch. And oh, that was heartbreaking. Oh yeah, I didn't watch the show again for like six years. I was like, nope, I can't do it. It's too emotionally, too much emotional turmoil for me. And that's a ubiquitous thing. Like anyone who's seen more than a few episodes of Futurama, if you mention like, oh, you've seen the episode with the dog, and like, nah, don't bring it up, man. That's yep, exactly. That was, and apparently the original plan for that episode was that was going to be his mom. Oh, geez. and they decided no, that's a little too much, and then they went with a dog, and I'm like, I think you guys really split a fine hair here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. 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 Well, I and, mean, you got to think most dudes are like, oh, yeah, his mom. That's really great. She loved him. But for some reason, there's that, you know, the man's best friend deal where you're like, oh, it was his dog. No. And he was tied to a hydrant. I yeah. mean, the poor thing was uh, like, yeah. you know, sat outside waiting for him the whole time. And then he throws yeah. him in the lava pit. It was, it was a good moment. Well, yeah. I mean, there's like a certain except like you can be as manly as you want, but your mom or your dog dies. You have permission to cry like a little bitch. Yeah. You know, and that's just, that's universal as far yeah, as I or know. If, if MASH ends, you know how people got really sad when MASH ends. You know, I, I was sadder when uh, the original Commander died than when I was when it ended. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have to say, I, I never was a big MASH fan. Mm. I know a guy who used to work for Blue Moon Films back in the 90s. He worked on, um, you know, a couple of like the, uh, the horror films they turned out back in the day. Guy knows the guy has forgotten more about TV and movies than I have ever known. Right? Yep. Didn't know shit about Mash. Just watched it for the first time recently, and he's about five years older than me. And I'm like, how in the fuck did you grow up at your age and not see Mash? <laughs> that was like, I mean, to use the word ubiquitous, Mash yep. and All in the Family were ubiquitous through the 70s and 80s. You couldn't yeah. turn around without seeing them. Oh, of course. I, you ding that. I just think, you know, I think myself, I didn't really care for Alan Alda much. Well, uh, yeah, I'll give you that one. That one's fine. Um, I actually preferred the movie version of Hawkeye to, uh, to the TV version. That's fair. Yeah. 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 Last of the Mohicans was a much better movie than MASH was a TV show. <laughs> also fair. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that too far to go with that one? Maybe not. I don't know. Nah. Yeah. Okay. 
So anyhow, guys, one of the reasons we have you on, I mean, first off, just because I enjoy talking to you is the main reason I have you back on, but um, we've got some uh, Reign of Zaius news. Yeah, yeah we've, correct. Uh, and if you don't mind, we're going to grab this microphone right from you because we're clearly in the room rough. You give me that, give me that, give yep. me that. Here Sorry we go. Man. Listen, humans. Reign of Zaius is pleased to announce that we have found our new lead singer after an exhaustive intergalactic casting call and search process. Yes. We are now announcing that our new singer is the magnificent Nat Turner. You would remember him from such films as, well, he's not a film guy, he's a singer, but my God, if he was in films, you would remember him from those. Right. Also a, uh, you know, semi-pro wrestler at, at one point. That is correct. Yeah, so uh, right now we're, we're paring down Reign of Zayas is a sleek and sexy four-piece, and uh, Nat is going to have his debut show with us at Arlene's Grocery in Manhattan. New York, of course. Lower East um, Side on uh, March 22nd. Wednesday, March 22nd. We're going to be in there for the Doom Fest. Yes, the uh, Ode to Doom, which is sponsored by the obelisk.net. Yep. Shout out for our buddy JJ. Check him out at the obelisk.net. It's, uh, you know, anywhere you want to get your good, your Doom Metal, Stoner Metal, you know, the <laughs> underground metal scene. Yep. Is uh, the obelisk.net. All right, here you go. Awesome. You can have this microphone back. Here you go. That's We're done with this announcement. Thank oh, you. Jesus. I, I can't believe the tight grip you had on that mic that whole time. I know, I know. Um, no, that's Too awesome. Um, talk, human. Well, no, no, no. I, it, it's awesome. Uh, I am glad to hear. So I assume there's going to be some new stuff coming up. Yep. We're, we're going over some songs. Uh, right now, we're trying to polish up some songs about uh, The Exorcist, you know, stuff that it, whoever you're your contributors are you get a different mix every time and oh, you sure. know, it, it seems like we're a little more happy for certain things like uh, the exorcist is uh something that we've wanted to write songs about and now we finally get the chance to put something out that like that so very for much sure. pumped up yeah we're, and uh you know what's funny is you had mentioned uh superman 2 earlier we're working on a uh song that has some uh oh yeah that's right we're writing a song uh more or less an ode to zod so kneel before zod will be coming at you uh if not at this Wednesday, March 22nd show, then the next one around. That is awesome. I love most Zod references. Except the ones in Smallville. Those were pretty weak. Ooh, never watched Smallville. Um, You know, it wasn't terrible. (laughs) Terrible? Um, It just wasn't (laughs) very good. It wasn't very good. Well, just, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's fine. Yeah. it's really great that we got we got a lot of wheels turning, and uh, we're pretty psyched to announce this. And uh, this cor- this corresponds also with uh, Reign of Zeus, our Twitter page hitting over uh, ten thousand followers. So uh, for those of you who follow us and listen to this podcast, all five of you, because you know our overlap is very strong, uh, we want to thank everyone There's out gotta there. There's got to be at least six. <laughs> yes. Yo, you but you don't count personally. Oh, okay, okay. So that, yeah, there you go. But. Yeah, we do appreciate that, and uh, you know, as much as people might complain about Twitter, it, it is a nice way to just kind of see what's around, and you find these small niche communities even. And to, uh, and to spread Twitter. our message, you know, just to keep the pop culture out there, keep yeah. you know the keep the apes happy. No, that's um, I, I'm actually really excited. So now, when you bring on, uh, so you said you're down to a four piece now, correct? Um. I'm sorry. Who who am I forgetting? Who did you? Well, give me right. who's well, who's the very, whole lineup now. Let's let's do that. Who's in the lineup now? So, right. so drums. You have myself, Brian. Mm-hmm. Bass. You have me, Davis. Davis you and Davis. backup vocals. Yep. We have uh, Vlad, our main guitar player, and now Nat's jumping on board for the vocals. So we're pairing it down. Uh, we're actually trying to incorporate a little more uh, technology just to add on to the sci-fi feel and drop some music samples and some sound samples, you know, trying to be as original as possible, uh, which is always the problem. So we're uh, the new Zaius is, you know, a continuation of the old Zaius, but we're going to be adding in a lot of new features, um, great sound drops. We're going to try to, you know, expand and get into different, different genres as well. We'll try to get a blues track in, you know, anything that we haven't done before is where we're looking to go. Okay, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, because, I mean, like you guys have said before, you are more like uh, Black Sabbath than you are unlike Black Sabbath, and Sabbath would go between crunchy, almost goth feel into blues rock into the same song. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think as a rock band, you definitely got to pay some tribute to where rock and roll came from. 
Yeah. Probably no piano ballads, so I don't think we're going to be doing that cover well, change. But yeah, we'll, well, that was the 60s and 70s. It was a different time. People were more experimental. Yeah, Bowie's changes actually seems more likely than right, the right. changes, but we'll see. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, did you guys watch? Uh, I'm sure we've actually had this conversation before. Um, did you watch Luke Cage? Yes. Okay. So there is a, and I'm going to forget the guy's name. There was an episode that opened with a uh, blues or a uh, R&B singer who was kind of a, back in the day, he was like a, just kind of a, like everybody else, like an also ran to R and B singers in the seventies. Sure, kind of a B or C tier guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he covered Black Sabbath's changes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did hear that. Yeah. Fucking amazing! I can't believe I don't know his name right now because as Charles soon as something. Yeah, Charles. Oh God! As soon as I heard it, I had to run out and buy the album oh, on man. iTunes. Oh, no, it, this is something Bradley. that we had talked about prior to Charles that even Bradley. Being- Yes, Charles Bradley. That was it. Oh, my God. That was so good. We had been talking about that version for uh, like four or five years yeah. now. Like, one of the first things that we chatted about when I actually met Dave was that particular cover. Holy sh! I never would have thought that would convert to R&B. And that guy fucking <coughs> knocked it out of the park. You want to check out something awesome? Look up. I think it's Brown Sabbath. And they do all like horns, yeah. Sabbath-y oh, stuff. Oh, that'd be and amazing. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's really good stuff. Yeah, I'm going through kind of an R&B thing right now. Um, that's like uh, three of my presets on Sirius XM right now are like kind of like 70s and just like old school R&B. And um, I don't know, there's just, there's a sound. I, I don't always go for it, but man, when it sounds good, it fucking hits. Anything, yeah. anything stacks records is going to, is going to hit. Yeah. Anything stacks is amazing. There was a uh, French documentary that came out in the nineties about stacks records. That was amazing. It was so great. Uh, you know, cause they, they had Isaac Hayes, they had Booker T, they had Steve Cropper, Donald Duck on the entire Blues the Brothers band. Like they, you know, all the guys from the, from the Blues Brothers were mm-hmm. stacks records, you know, house musicians. Yeah. And they, they were just everything they put out was so soulful. Yeah. To me, to me, it was like, um, you know, Motown had the dance and the glitz and the flash and Stax had the soul and the real, like, you know, just that Memphis bluesy saxy or, you know, soul stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. No, it's for me, I think it's always interesting too. like, um, you know, talking to you guys about like what R and B influence or soul influence might be in your music. You talk to rock guys. And people these days don't think of rock and roll as having a lot of depth or anything, mm-hmm. but, but it really does. I mean, from, from Dixieland, from, you know, soul, from blues music, you know, you, you scratch Zach Wilde, man, and he's a blues guitarist at heart. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you talked to Randy Rhodes was a classical musician who just fell into the crowd to go get a rock and roll background, you know? Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, his, you listen to D and listen to like his cuts of that. And, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I would definitely put Randy Rhodes at the top of my guitar list. And, you know, maybe we'll someday come back on and actually talk uh, guitars and where we would rank them. You know, that can be a fun yell along for a bit. But Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's something that else I'm trying to always, when I get together with you guys, we try to do a top ten list. Mm-hmm. And I believe, uh, uh, Brian, you have a top ten list of bounty hunters. That's so, right. We have the official uh, Reina's uh, yeah. top ten fictional bounty hunters. Well, we're actually gonna we're gonna we're gonna step it up. We're gonna add a little prestige. We're gonna make this the world's reigning list of fictional bounty hunters. That's Much like you now have the ability to say that, being the world's reigning uh, podcaster. Exactly. Well, it's a little mm-hmm. thing I learned from Austin Idol that uh, he took a uh, Georgia TV championship and made it a national. I'm Not gonna correct. take yeah. I'm gonna take my own uh, my own inside my head regional championship and make it a world championship and we're going to go from there so let us yeah so we're going to count from 10 to 1 is that the direction we're going yeah and no real like specific order because you know there's always a bit of disparity but a general top 10 i'll I'll tell you what here's the thing if you get a group of 10 bounty hunters pissed off at you Uh not a good situation to be in so we're going to say that they're all really number one sure and then we're going to list 10 of them out of order Right, and these are fictional bounty hunters, you know, so that's definitely no concern. I don't think they're real. 
Right. Uh, well, unless this isn't the real life. I don't know. Is this real life? Is this real life? Is this just... <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, here we go. Number 10. Uh, DC's main man, Lobo. Uh, this is a guy who's been a pretty badass bounty hunter. He's actually uh, killed and hunted down... Uh, or hunted down and killed every single member of his own species, the Sarnian race. And uh, Lobo, a lot of people don't know it, not Sheriff Lobo, of course, uh, DC's Lobo. Uh, he's actually he's the main Superman. man. Yeah, the main man. He's actually kicked Superman in the nuts. So just for that alone, he's on the list. Yes. And he was, and he's been illustrated by Simon Bisley, which I think elevates you. That adds some stature. If you've had Simon Bisley illustrate an image of you. Okay, we have number nine. Is not the kind of kiss and tell, but he's been seen with Pharaoh. <laughs> Let's go Fall Guy with Colt Seavers. Colt Seavers and a badass Chevy pickup truck. Oh, that pickup was so awesome. Yeah. And for those who don't know, as portrayed by Lee Majors, which is the big $6 million yes, man. There you go. Yeah, as far as bounty hunters go, you know, hey, I mean, the Fall Guy very cleverly titled because, of course, he's a stunt guy, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. And uh, number eight. Uh, I'm not a huge anime fan, but there are a few pieces that I really uh, appreciate that have stuck with me. So uh, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop is uh, my number eight, I guess, fictional favorite bounty hunter. Not sure if you've uh, seen that one, but um, I haven't. My kid has, but I don't really know it. No. So well, take my word for it. I I will do so, sir. We will. Next. Go ahead. All right. All right. Next, we have Rick Descartes from Blade Runner. Um, okay, so that one gets a little, that's a little specific, isn't it? That's he, dicey. Yeah, well, he's not just a bounty hunter, he hunts replicants. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, but for, it's, it's essentially for my, I mean, the true purpose of a bounty hunter. So, I mean, some of this list, uh, we're trying to cut out assassins and mercenaries because, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll do a little bounty hunting, but it's not really their passion. Uh, I feel that Rick's definitely very passionate about collecting these, uh, finding the Andes. Uh, yes. And if you watch the movie of Blade Runner instead of just the book, uh, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, there may be a little conflict of interest in there as well for Rick. Mm -hmm. But a bounty hunter nonetheless. 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 All right. Uh, number six, uh, speaking of, here's one that everyone will probably agree with. And let's just pretend we said this for number one, but, uh, Boba Fett, of course. From the Star Wars universe. Boba Fett looked cool. And you know what? Actually, let me let me expand on this. I think I know because, uh, guys, you're about my age, and we grew up watching a lot of westerns and shit on TV back in the day. And when Boba Fett first walks into the scene in Empire Strikes Back, uh-huh. you actually can hear a spur hit the floor. Oh, really? Yes. And I think our heads, probably our dads, we fucking knew that sound. We knew some badass carrying a gun just walked in the room and that spur sound clicked something in our heads and we could identify with that character. We knew who he was. Which leads us into our next yeah. number five, Clint Eastwood in the Sergio, Sergio Leone Spaghetti Western trilogies. We got Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And, and, and help me out here, guys. Who did he play in that? What was his character's name? Uh, it was the uh, basically unknown or uh, unnamed, but they just kind of had Clint Eastwood being that utility character. That is well, so like, fucking awesome. That is so awesome. They could man do that. with no name essentially. Yep, that was it, and it's so cool that you could do that with a leading character in a movie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. His 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 leading characteristic was so strong you didn't even have to put a name on him. Yeah. Interesting fact uh, I was reading up, and it says uh, Jeremy Bullock, who actually played Boba Fett, mm-hmm. uh, has confirmed that the color scheme for the Boba Fett character was set to match up Clint Eastwood's character from the Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, you'll notice that, you know, usually he's wearing that the big poncho, and it's got kind of a pale green and tan uh, color scheme, and that's what Boba Fett was based on, essentially. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I am not shocked by that. Uh, because we also know that George Lucas was so deeply ensconced in filmmaking True. that the language of filmmaking just carried through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's <clears throat> amazing stuff, just when you, you look into the backgrounds and every little thing makes sense or has a reason. Right. Now, don't don't get me wrong. He's definitely a uh, Killjoy uh, legacy destroyer. But on top of that, when the first time that those things came out, goddamn George Lucas got it right. Yes, he did. Well, Larry Caston right. had a lot to do with it as well. Yes. yes yeah. Sir. Uh, 
Let's keep this moving on. Uh, number four, we're looking at Leonard Smalls. Now, uh, for people who don't know that is, that is the bounty hunter played by Randall Tex Cobb in Raising Arizona. So Randall Tex Cobb, you know, uh, I believe a former boxing uh, champ, uh, the bare, bare knuckle guy, you know. Very much the dude that you think in your head when you think of a greasy biker who's trying to get a bounty. Um, I, I don't have a lot to comment on, but any guy with the nickname of Tex. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Tex Avery. I don't know if he was a real badass guy. You know what? I was at a bar I, one I, night. I was at a bar one night is. when I was a kid, and I saw him oh. fucking whip the shit out of about ten bikers and, and, <laughs> and make love to their women on top of a pool table. So, yeah, Tex Avery was a badass. One of which was Jodie Foster, which has nothing to do with that movie, but you can probably um, guess what. Well, I want to say there were no pinballs in, in this yeah. room. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but. <laughs> Next, Briscoe County Jr. Holy uh, shit, that's a nice reference. I, guys, I yeah, wouldn't have thought of that one. Buddy. We would not have been uh, uh, you know, feeling good about this list if we could not make some Bruce Campbell illusions. No, you're right. And that, that whole series was great. That. It got it got really uh, you know surreal with the with the orbs and stuff, but that that was such a great series. Yeah, yeah. They, they called it the Weird West. Yeah, it had so many elements of the traditional stuff, but then they also brought in uh, steampunk, which I think was probably mm-hmm. bef- yep. you know the, the most mainstream version of steampunk that anyone had seen at the time. Probably before it even had a name yet, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. No, that's outstanding. But- I wonder if we can attribute Bruce Campbell to the steampunk movement. Hey, you I'm know sure he can. Let me let me do this real quick. <laughs> don't don't lose your track. Don't lose track of where you're at. If if I could have cast a Batman Superman movie back in the '90s, Alec Baldwin would have been Batman and Bruce Campbell would have been Superman. I can see that. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I yeah, thought yeah. that would have been pretty strong. All right. So where are we at now? Oh, sorry. I'm moving right along. Moving right along, Dougadung, Dougadung. Uh, <laughs> the number two fictional bounty hunter, um, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Uh, he's not a real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Oh. You're a reality show, you're not a real guy. All right. You know. Oh, shit. Reality TV is not real, people. And next is and finally one. Steve McQueen. Yeah, Steve. So I know that this is something that you'll be able to talk extensively about, Jeremy. So Steve McQueen being represented as the number one bounty hunter, uh, mainly on his job on The Hunter, the film, and also Wanted Dead or Alive for TV. Uh, uh, he also so played Tom he, Horn, who was an Indian hunter during the Apache Wars. Uh, Wanted Dead or Alive, I don't know. Do you get a cooler gun than the gun he carried in that? Um, do you guys remember that show at all? Uh, I do not. Okay, so he carried a... Well, you saw Firefly, right? Correct. Okay, you remember the gun that Zoe carried? It was like a, uh, a cut-off lever-action rifle to yeah. a pistol length. That was his gun in the um, in Wanted Dead or Alive. It was called a Mare's Leg. It shot a three fifty seven caliber bullet. They would show him fanning it, which I have no idea physically how that would work. But you know what? <laughs> it was Steve fucking McQueen, and you don't question him. If True. he says his gun works like that, it works like that. Yes, I will always say Steve McQueen was the uh, – well, I'm sorry. Steve McQueen, the actor, played the greatest fictional bounty hunters ever. Yeah, I think we can all agree with that, yes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And how about the worst bounty hunter ever? Yeah, we 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 only do this top we, ten stuff so we can shit on someone. Oh, we, we, ha- we have the number one worst. Who's that? Who's the worst? Greedo. Yeah. Oh, he was pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. yeah. Even if you give that whole like I shot first, that that doesn't help. It doesn't make matter. Him seem like he knows what he's fucking yeah. doing. Yeah. If he shot first, he's still just a terrible shot. Right. Because he, he had the drop. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to miss at that range. Yeah. I mean, and you, yet here we are. Yeah. You know, I had uh, in my younger and more dorky days, I had read a bit of Star Wars fiction, and um, the guy who owned the tavern, Moss Eisley, mm-hmm. evidently after Greedo had been shot, he uh, grabbed the body and threw him into one of the distilleries and made liquor out of him. That's disgusting. Yep. That's some good follow-up information, though. Ooh. Come on. Well, yeah. I wonder does that stay canon now with uh, Disney buying it? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Does alcohol exist in Disney worlds? I don't know. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. You can it, get pretty fucking drunk at Disneyland. 
I was gonna say around that little walkway around the around the lake. Yeah, you can get yeah, you can get pretty fucking torqued over there. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, I can get Peter torqued. Um, well, I've actually seen Peter Tork there. Uh, he plays Goofy on weekends sometimes. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, Peter Tork. We love you. Uh, I was just kidding. I didn't mean to say that. Um, did you guys see Rogue One? We we wait. We know you're not playing Goofy. Did, um, I, was I trying hope to Peter get, Tork beats me up now. I was trying to get away from that, but you know what? <laughs> Getting punched by Peter Tork might be worth it. Yeah. Oh, I would totally take a hit from Peter yeah. Tork. Yeah. Uh, what sure. else do you have to live for? Yeah. Um, well, you know what? Him and um, Mickey Dolan's shit. Two of the monkeys were just here in Modesto, uh, like in the last two or three months at the Gallo Center. They're doing a gig or they're just like doing a signing um, No, they were doing it. They actually played music, but I don't know how the whole thing works because they just did a new Monkeys album where they found they found tracks with Davy Jones. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this before because we're all over 1966 television. But um, but they actually had like two of the four were here and mm-hmm. doing a concert. And yep. it was, I, I kind of wanted to go see it because that would be kind of cool. But at the same time, um, I just can't be bothered to go do shit like that. You know, were, they, were the other two holograms? Yeah. You know, I was kind of wondering about that. And, um, I don't know what they did. I don't know if they just soundtracked it or brought different people. I don't know. No, the, uh, the monkeys had put out an album in, uh, 2016. Actually, it was co-written by, you know, modern, like Weezer had a track on there and they wrote, mm the songs for the monkeys and the monkeys performed them, which I thought was kind of cool. Or did they go the kiss route and just get guys to dress up as uh, I don't Mike know. Nesmith uh, and Davy Jones? You know, can I, can I kind ask of, you? Kind of like uh, Thayer and, and Eric Carr. Well, yeah. let me, let me ask you guys cool. real quick. Kind of how, how do you feel about, um, not kiss as a band, but Gene Simmons and some of the shit he said in the last few years. Gene Simmons as a person is, you know, kind of a, reprehensible scumbag but that makes him a great businessman okay see that's kind of that's kind of what i was wondering because yeah. like he did his oh rock and roll is dead and i'm just like you know what fucking eat a dick gene simmons yeah, yeah. so okay that's all i was looking for there rock and roll is dead but he's, yeah, but he's still ringing out it's the dead unless it's uh you know it's paying his it's paying his bills yeah, yeah exactly. exactly it's like yeah you can say that because now you can get somebody to report you saying that and you know that's all you're shooting for but to be fair, him saying that is the equivalent of him doing that weird shit on stage when that was being reported. Like he's just saying shit to get a rise out of a pe- uh, you know, out of people. So how do you how do you hold that against him? Yeah, no, no, no. It's that's that's part of it. It's like like he says all the time: Kiss is a brand, not a mm-hmm. band. Yeah, yeah, very true for certain. Yeah, now go buy our coffins <laughs> or air guitar strings. Oh. uh Speak since we're on the topic of some classic rock and roll. Now, uh, we just bought tickets. Super excited. There's a tour going around this uh, summer. Oh, yeah. Deep Purple, Alice Cooper, and opening for them is Edgar Winter. So, Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, Super that's going to be huge. We're doing that, that at, at uh, Jones Beach in August. Mm-hmm. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Is uh, is Alice Cooper holding up on stage these days? Again, love Alice Cooper, but I haven't really kept up with him for the last I- I saw him about three years ago, actually with Kiss, mm-hmm. surprisingly in All Vegas. He, does is play, he doesn't drink. And uh, no, he's he's a he's a straight edge guy, and he plays a lot of golf. He's really uh, he's a he's a pretty fit guy, and uh, yeah, he's he still puts on a great show. That's awesome. Actually, I I used to live in the Monterey Bay, which is where uh, you know Pro Am and Pebble Beach and all that is. Yeah. Right. And about this time of year, every year back when I was there. You couldn't run around Carmel or Monterey without running into Alice Cooper, Bill Murray. Um, yeah, fuck. Uh, the, the weirdest one to me that I ever ran into was Sammy Hagar, and then the next day, Sam Elliott. <laughs> wow. It was just like, what a problem to have. Well, it was just, weekend yeah, of Sam's. Well, it was just like the weirdest thing. You're like, holy <laughs> shit. Because um, when I first started down there, I started a job. Carmel was part of my area. And somebody goes, oh, hey, go to this grocery store around this time of day. And if they're in town, you'll see either Paul Newman or Clint Eastwood. 
Okay. You know, (laughs) and you kind of go like, oh, you guys are full of shit, but you're there. You're like, okay, I I better go check, right? Does does Paul Newman or did Paul Newman like price check his own salad dressing? Yeah, right. Um, You know what? Wait a minute. Here's the thing. So my wife actually, my wife actually interviewed for a job with his company with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they literally give away all the fucking money that company makes that's not operating cost. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, I am so impressed with, I mean, first off, you got to be stupidly wealthy already to do it, mm-hmm. but I do know that when you're really rich, that the temptation to hoard cash is like the next one that comes, so I'm always impressed with people who start giving money away. You know, you know who hemorrhages money? Steven Seagal on his music career. Oh, my God. My, yeah. uh, well, I, I had a friend that was, dollars in with that? well, I had a friend that was doing sound for him and, uh-huh. and he had this amazing, like, you know, Mississippi Delta blues band playing behind him. And he has like all of, I think Alvin Lee's guitars. Yeah. When Alvin Lee died, he, uh, willed all of his guitars to Steven Seagal and Steven Seagal is like, you know, a, a mediocre blues player and even more me, you know, lesser of a, of a blues singer. Yeah, Steven Seagal is to music what Steven Seagal is to acting. So. Yeah! Oh, that good, huh? Old people yeah. love him. Holy cow, that's <laughs> rough. Old, old white people love him. Yeah. <laughs> but but he, he uh, you know, he takes really good care of his of his crew. He takes them out to steakhouses and puts them up in nice hotel rooms and, you know, they tour on a nice bus. But it's just because... He wants to do this, and he takes care of the people around him that are doing it. Well, I, you know, to me, part of having money is the ability to indulge yourself in, in things like that. Hey, fuck it, guys. You want to hang out? I'll pay you to do it, you know. But it gives you a different a different view of the person when they take care of their staff. Oh, no, you're absolutely right, because I've seen seen people who have a lot of money who shit on the people who work for them. Yeah. You know, which is... A lot of rich people, <laughs> I'm guessing. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's one thing that he takes care of. It's like I'm always impressed with Alice Cooper because he still pays the original members of the Alice Cooper band. Yeah. Yeah, which I just like, fuck, that's been 40 years. You figure at some point you go, fuck it, I've been Alice Cooper for 40 years. <laughs> no, but he still, like, guys, we did this together. Here's your Here's your take, you know, and I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and that's the same thing as uh, who, who was his manager? Uh, Supermensch. Uh, oh, jeez, he's gonna kill me. Blanken. No one. No, uh, I don't have it. Ah, uh, uh, I just saw the the documentary like a month and a half ago. Mike Myers did a whole documentary on Alice Cooper's manager. Uh, no, I didn't hear about this. Damn. All right. Well. I'm proving myself to be an idiot who can't remember things. Awesome. Yeah, that's all right. That's a hey. It's all it's all in good fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody here is judging. Beer, beer, well, beer, and age does take its toll. It you know? really, really does. It really does. <laughs> and and to be fair, you guys are back east, so it's pretty fucking late where you're at. So. Oh, absolutely. Ah, Shep Gordon's. There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shep Gordon was the it was a 2013 documentary. Uh, whereas yeah, Alice Cooper's manager. He also managed uh, Teddy Pendergrass. So really, Ooh. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, I did want to bring something up real quick because you listed uh, Colt Seavers as one of your top bounty hunters. Yeah. Back years ago, probably five six years ago, Sci-Fi said they were going to do a show called Lee and Me. All right. And it was going to be about a kid who lived next door to Lee Majors. <laughs> uh huh. Who turned out to actually be an OSS bionic secret agent. <laughs> and they used his acting career as a way <laughs> to hide his actual career as a bionic super agent. And then the kid was going to get in a car wreck and end up with bionics. And Lee Major was, was going to have to teach him how to be a bionic secret agent. Oh, all right. Something for the family. All right. I, you know what? I When I heard about this, I was like, I will pay to see an episode of this show. I let me know twenty five hundred bucks. Where do I make the check? Because I will watch this. So that's like the bionic <laughs> version of what was it? American Ninja with Lee Van Cleef and Salami. 
Um, yeah, what was it called? It was just called the Master back. Oh, in the, the Master. Day. You're right. Yeah. The, the Master. That's right. And it was. And, um, it was. But that oh. was where he was like teaching Salami to be the the ninja. Yeah, but and hold, they on, but, but hold on. Who 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 was Salami from? From the, the White, White Shadow. Shadow. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but but who was that actor? Because it, it was Dick Van Patten's kid. Mm. Oh, what was his name? He's a famous. He's like a famous director now. He directed like half of uh, Deadwood or something. Um, huh? yeah, that guy. It's it's Dick Van Patten's kid, and I can't. It's probably Dick Van Patten Jr. The way I'm struggling. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, Timothy Van Patten. Okay, yeah. All right. yeah, and he's like he's directed like episodes of Six Feet Under and like like a bunch of shit uh, Oz, like a bunch of stuff on HBO and Showtime, like like you know uh, award winning shows. He's actually a director of, but yeah, he was just kind of this like um, me and my hamster are going to sit here in this rape van, and Lee Van Cleef is going to tell us how to ninja things. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah. you know, I figured I figured the ninja connection there would be similar to the Lee and me with the bionic connection. Yeah. You know, they go bionic things while Lee Van Cleef and Salami are ninjaing things. Yeah. Fuck. Now I wish they had made that show. I would have seen that. Then they could have had like, they could have had like a fight where Lee Van Cleef and Lee majors fight each other. Oh, battle and, of the Lees. Yeah. And then the winner <laughs> faces Dana, Danny Bonaducci in the finals. Oh Yeah. Uh, right. Sounds like the loot, like having to touch that dude. Oh no God, <clears throat> that would be dude. awesome. Oh, and then he, then they take on Tolly Blanchard for the U.S. title. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I told you guys we got to wrap up here in a minute, but um, so I had I had this idea for a story I wanted to do for years, right? So I finally hired a writer. Mm-hmm. And basically, just consider, I don't want to give away too much because I've got another writer I've hired. We'll see if it actually goes anywhere, if I just burn my fucking treatment at this point. But um, it's basically a slasher film that runs into a superhero film or comic book. Yeah, and, I like it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I got this kid, gave him the story. He's like, okay. And he asked me a couple questions about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, okay. And like, look, I'm not going to pay a guy a whole bunch of money. I don't have that much money laying around. I'm like, I'll give you a few hundred bucks. You write me a rough script and then I'll take it from there and I'll give you credit. Okay. So like the day before I send him his first payment, mm-hmm. I, get an, I get an email that says, um, hey, by the way, I think your story idea sucks and here's a better way to do it. <clears throat> oh shit you know um okay well you know hey so i just hey thanks for saying it um maybe it's best that we just fucking cut bait and walk away now right yeah and he goes oh no, no, no i'm still willing to write it your way and i'm thinking fuck you want to talk about the wrong wording to use yeah you know <laughs> i just want you to know i am not invested in this in any way except for the part where your money touches my hand yeah and, and you know what here's the thing again it was just a few hundred bucks i don't think he was that i don't think the money was that big a deal but but it was just like i'm still willing i'm still willing fuck yeah. you know so hey, I you're just, a charity case now. That's just how it is. Yeah. And so um, I just kind of went, dude, I, I just, I don't see a way to do it. And we kind of went back and forth and I just, you know, he and I just kind of just both stopped at the same point. We just didn't respond to each other anymore. You know? <laughs> oh, man, and, yeah. and, you know, and I, I don't mean him because really what I'm looking for is, is commerce. And I'm sure as a writer, what he's looking for is artistic expression, you know, sure. and it's hard to bring those two things together. Um, in, in as far as you guys have, you know, you've been through a few permutations of your band. Is that something you've run into or how does it go when you're looking to work with a collaborator? Is it, is it something that becomes a problem for you normally, or is it something you've gotten by without a huge problem? I don't know. I mean, when you talk about collaboration for us, I mean, we're definitely looking for more partnership than just collaboration for a track or two, you know, Mm -hmm. which is not something that we we would, uh, right off entirely, but just to, you know, get the, again, we'll talk about band versus brand, just to get the Zayas idea across, it requires us to have, you know, a certain number of guys that are in on the same project day in and day out. Right. right. And figure, you know, having the same kind of message and the same kind of sense of humor ideas, you know, and yeah. But as far as finding someone who's into, so like, you know, we just found a new singer. How does that process go? Well, first you got to find guys that are into number one, 
heavy metal, whatever your genre happens to be, you know, just for us to be an example. Then you got to find guys that are into your same influences that are not musical because we're trying to put in that other level on it where, you know, it's not all just, oh, I saw the sunshine today and I feel good. You know, I've heard that song before. Um, it's probably not good. Or the opposite of the, you know, the metal song where the movie there came was up no and song everyone today. was dead. How bad do right. I feel? Yes. Yeah. It's single. But uh, given that, yeah, trying to find guys that are going to click in with what you're doing. Uh, people that, I mean, just trying to find adults that can handle the idea of conflict. You know, I like this, but you don't like that. Let's find a way that we can all be happy. Yeah, and I mean, Brian and I have gone through the process of, you know, finding guitar players at one point, and, yeah, yeah. and you know, we we had some people that wanted to play all their own songs, or some people that had never played with bands before, or some people have that, you know, yeah, we, and so we we kind of went through the gamut, and then it ended up we the guitar player we got was a friend of ours. Yeah. So we, so our whole search was kind of fruitless except for stories. Yes, that which is true, but I mean, there, there was a guy that we brought in to see if we you know get a new guitar in and uh he he said like no i've never played with uh anyone before it was like his second or third time having played with anyone ever else before he could shred his tits off but could not like understand all right i start at this tempo and we all stay together yeah. and like you know it's a skill it's a acquired skill Oh, sure. Well, I was just watching an episode of My Name is Earl yesterday where they got a band back together. And he's, guys, when when I stop playing, it means the song is over, so everybody has to stop playing. And when I start playing a new song, it means it's a new song, so everybody has to start playing again. Right. Yeah. So, no, I was just, I was kind of curious, like, you know, here's the thing. So, comics or writing or whatever and music are different in a way, but they're all all are all also a creative endeavor where you Correct. end up working with other people. So I'm always interested to see what parallel you run yeah. into between well, this and that. You always have to compromise a little bit, but the one thing you can't compromise is integrity. So, you know, you, you, you may have to say, all right, well, I thought I was thinking from this angle and someone else was thinking from another angle. And then, you you know, you figure out a way to, to meet in the middle to come up with the, the best, most comprehensive thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, rather than one person being the, you know, the, the voice of it all and just saying, no, this is the way it has to be. You know, we, we do. Well, those bands also get things done, but it depends on if the other guys feel like having a, a say. Right. But, but we feel that, you know, in order to get something that we're all happy with, we all have to kind of work together and all, and find a, you know, a common ground that That's we all, true. that when we leave, we're happy with the product that we're putting out. Yeah. Right on. Um, okay. So do you guys have a date or anything coming up? We're going to be playing soon with your new singer. Uh, yep, we're, yeah. We're, we're playing, uh, March, March 22nd, 22nd at Arlene's night. grocery. It's a Wednesday night. We're going on at 10 o'clock. Um, it's the Ode to Doom sponsored by the obelisk.net. And then we've got, you know, a couple other things lined up that we're, we're setting up. They're not set in stone yet, so don't want to announce those yet. No, Follow but- us on Twitter at RainOfZaeus. RainOfZaeus.net and uh, Twitter, RainOfZaeus. You know, RainOfZaeus on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Oh, let's just say RainOfZaeus a few more times. Oh, yeah, RainOfZaeus. I'm sorry, what was the name of the band? There we go. Well, and uh, when this episode goes up, we'll make sure we link to everything. So, of course, I'll run all the links on the show notes at uh, geekishcast.com and on the Facebook page and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Ollie the Greyhound is getting a little uh, jumpy at the door here, so that means one of us has to pee. So, guys, again. Oh, is it going to be me? It might be. Beer. It, it might be. be. Right. But if I people, say D, all of the above. We can, if, we can do it together. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're gentlemen. Uh, if people want to find you in the meantime, where can they look for you at again? Rainisaeus.net, Rainisaeus on Twitter, and Rainisaeus on Facebook. Awesome. And everybody else, you can find us at geekishcast.com. We are on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We are on Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud. We are also on Blog Talk Radio now. So please rate and review us wherever you find us. And uh, remember, the first three weeks of every month on Thursday nights, we do a live episode. Uh, Brian, Davis, hey, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I always love talking to you guys. Jeremy, thank you. The pleasure's ours, man. Thank you, humans. (laughs) All right. We'll catch you all later.
Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zaius. Check them out at reignofzaius.net.